This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Happy 2016 from the uh, frozen tundra of the 40 Acres. Cam Edwards alongside Missy here at the kitchen table. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, uh, it's it, it, The New Year came in and it got really cold. Yes, it was crazy. It was so warm and humid on Christmas Day that I was trying to ice cookies and the icing wouldn't set. Because it was just so <laughs> humid in the house. The, the gingerbread house kept going lilting over to one side. It was not a good thing. And Old Man Sanders. I saw somebody describe Bernie Sanders as Old Man Sanders on Twitter, and it just cracked me up. Because oh. Old Man Sanders was complaining, you know, it's something is climate change. It's not supposed to be 70 degrees on Christmas. And somebody noted on Twitter that uh, Old Man Sanders isn't talking much about climate change now that it's, you know cold again and it's just like it's supposed to be in january so uh we, we have nino or something wasn't yeah. it? i don't know yeah i think so anyway we have nothing to really complain about uh, weather wise here uh, in virginia a little wet but uh nothing like the flooding that uh, some of our friends have gone through in st louis and uh no big you know snowfalls no. that have uh, kept us trapped inside the house so no. uh, I'll, I'll i'll be okay with the cold yep today was just the first day though of many that we will have of hauling water out of the house to water the animals because uh, even though I was able to break the top layer of the goat's water and the chicken's water, the hog's water was low enough that I was like, uh, and the hose was frozen. So right. back into the house with a big old five-gallon white pail. I think I need to hit our friend up for a couple extra because the ones that we have, the handles have broken, so it's not yeah. easy to carry them in and out. But oh. I think I might be oh, able to trade her. Well, no, I found one down in the in the greenhouse. Oh, that's good. So <laughs> I just snapped a lid on it, was able to use it. But yeah, I don't have that many with handles that work anymore anymore uh so i think i'm gonna need to call her this week and do a trade maybe give her some fertile eggs for a couple of buckets oh there we go because her husband gets them through work but i want to you know trade for something with the barter system is uh fantastic and you can still i believe swap eggs for pails without uh, going through a background check yeah yeah uh, it's just a matter of showing up with a carton eggs and taking some pails home it's pretty easy actually no one asks you any questions you have to do any registration or have your birds checked for vaccinated because i'm sure they're not quite birds yet i'm sure the usda (laughs) would like to put a stop to the uh the the unauthorized transfer of eggs but uh, for now 
I don't the barter know if they system's could. still okay. I'm just. I'm, I'm I mean, being that'd be funny though if they would try to. Listen, they've got SWAT teams. You know, if they really wanted to, I'm not saying it would be constitutional or it'd stand up in court. But uh, and the fact that we have a USDA SWAT team is also kind of one of those weird things, right? Yeah, it is kind of weird. Oh, but speaking of chickens, I saw the saddest thing on Facebook yesterday. Yeah, it's called a rooster collar. And it's supposed to go around the rooster's neck at the point where they crow, and it's supposed to keep them from crowing. And why would you do that to a rooster? Well, I guess if you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to keep uh, roosters and chickens in an area because of the neighbors, and you're required to keep the noise to a certain level so you can guarantee. But you still want to have fertilized eggs to hatch out more chickens for food. Yeah. Uh, so this this is why it exists. It's, it's sort of like it's sort of like a barking control mechanism on your dog. The electric collar that keeps your dog from barking. But it's like this collar. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I just saw it in action. That poor rooster sounded so sad. <laughs> oh, it was like. <laughs> it's like oh that poor dude. And like no one was in favor of this. I'm like if you're gonna have a rooster, you gotta let it crow. I mean that's the thing. Like you gotta put up with the crow. Right. And and it might mean that you know you don't have fertilized eggs if you live in in a a town but but you know what it's really not that hard to get a couple of fertilized eggs if you need them if you want them yeah sure hook up on facebook and instagram all the chicken groups do some trade stuff right but if you got a rooster man you gotta let that rooster crow chip is loud we eat ours so if somebody wanted to trade me non-fertile eggs for some fertilized eggs that they wanted to hatch out Mm -hmm. i'd make the trade we get six eggs a day yeah yeah. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I, seriously, our rooster is is loud, and he starts early, loud, man. And you know, roosters—that's one of the funny things when people come visit us for the first time, huh. and they don't have any experience like, uh, like us. Like when we first started raising chickens, we didn't realize this either, because oh, in the movies you see like the day start and the sun rises and right, and then and that's, that's the last it. time you hear the the rooster, because the rooster is there as a plot device. But if the if the film actually followed the rooster throughout the course of the day, what you would see is the rooster all day long at random times crowing crowing. (laughs) for no good reason maybe he's calling out to everybody to make sure they can all hear him maybe he's just loud and proud about his spot i don't know what and what's funny is when we had multiple roosters they would they would stake out their own points they would not be necessarily inside of one another but they would call out to one another so you'd hear one rooster and then Ned and Chip and yeah, but what's funny is this. I don't know if it was necessarily. To oh, call I was, back. Oh, <laughs> here's, well, well, then here's Silent Instead Bob. Just looking at me. <laughs> There's Silent Bob. <laughs> right. Anyway, I don't think it was all day long a, back and forth a call well, and response. I don't know it was call and response as much as it was. I'm gonna have the last word. No, I'm gonna have the last word. I'm gonna have the last word because they were both kind of mm. right. Well, when you have chickens, you actually you know you make up the chicken conversations, and so for me it was always, hey Chip. Hey, Bob. Hey, Chip. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Chip. Hey, yeah, just again. Yeah. Repeat ad Because nauseum. they have like a 30-second <laughs> memory or something silly. What's funny today is towards the end of the day, I have been keeping the chickens penned up in the coop chicken wire area around Yeah, because we saw the fox, and we saw well, the fox once, but I haven't seen the I fox I haven't come seen back. it in a while, but it's been really nice. So mm-hmm. I was like, the nice days are always the days they sneak in. So I've been trying to make it. I'm, I'm mixing it up. I'm letting them out. But when I let them out, I let them out with the goats. And then when the goats wander, it keeps the foxes away. Okay. Because they're all bigger and they're not going to mess with them. Anyway, uh, so I went to open up the gate to let the girls out. 
And there were like four that were like, they kept running into the chicken wire like it was some invisible barrier. They couldn't figure out how to get past. And I was just like, I'm like trying to scare them away. And they just kept looking at me like, the heck with you, I'm going to get through this invisible barrier. And it was hilarious because chickens are so dumb. You could draw a line for them and it was, or drag them by a rope and they would still want to do what they want. Right. It was hilarious. So I'm just like watching them. And the, the 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 feed is already out. All the chickens, the the smart ones, have figured out how to get through the door. And there are these four barred rocks that are just like just in unison, just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in front of this invisible barrier that they keep trying to get through. And they were so confused. But it's that time every night when I go out with food. Right. It's just the barred rocks. It's not the other chickens. Okay. It's just those six girls. They all think that they can get through this invisible <laughs> barrier. Like, I, I know I can get to the food. It's hilarious. It's maybe weird. The, uh, maybe the Bard Rock's eyesight isn't quite as good as... I guess they can't see the chicken wire, but it's really funny. Just <laughs> <laughs> try to capture that on, in, a, in a vine at some point. And, uh... Oh, what the slow, the slow motion camera feature. <laughs> right? I can make. I think I can do it on the iPod. I, you know, I, I tried. So I got the new phone, and, you, and, and actually I found an app that will slow down your video. Uh, so you don't even need the new iPhone. You can, I think you could do it with your phone. Oh, neat. Um, and so I, I, I recorded and put up on my uh, Instagram account, uh, at Cam Edwards, bullet in slow motion, because when he starts to run, he makes the funniest face. It's like he goes from, he's got the happy look on his face, but when he decides to run, he has this, this burst of energy and he's got this crazy look in his eyes for like a split second. Like it is just... I'm a run, and it's the most exciting thing ever. And so I had to get that in slow motion. And I tried to get chickens in slow motion, and I realized chickens in slow motion just look like chickens moving slowly. Like yeah, they're, they're there's not, not there's it's, it's not, not like exciting. a cheetah or no. anything like that. No, none. There's nothing regal about a chicken in slow motion or fast motion. Bullet, on the other hand, was pretty funny. If you could scare one of them enough to get them flying across the yard, seeing that in slow motion might be funny. That's true. Because they do try to do that. Well, we might have to get bullet chasing after a chicken there in slow motion. There we go. And then do it. <laughs> torture a chicken for no good reason for film. Yay, us. Uh, it's not torture. It's, <laughs> it's practice. practice. I mean, are you, are you kidding me? No, no, no. I, I want my chickens everyone's... to be able to run away. I want my chickens, A, to know to run away when they see big furry creatures in the Running yard. after them, yes. Uh, so I don't want them to be too comfortable well, the around. The problem is that the foxes don't come running. No, they, they come, come they skulk. sneaking in and right. silently, and they sort of just come like, la, 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 snatch, walk away. Like, yeah. And then all the chickens are like, what just happened? And they do the car alarm noise. And you're like. <laughs> That's why uh, we have the phrase sly like a fox and not, uh, you know, gregarious <laughs> like a fox, I guess. No, exactly. <laughs> Bullet would not make a good fox. No. <laughs> <laughs> what does the fox say? <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a, a quick time out. We are just getting started here on this uh, edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. May not be uh, just getting started here on the bourbon, but uh, whatever. It's a, it's early. Oh, and Bullet is uh, paying us a visit here. All right, well, we'll be right back with much more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. 
But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time. Call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, and uh, Bullet, the cutest dog in the world, at our feet at the kitchen table, you may hear a panting in the background. That would be that would be bullet. We we turned off the washer and the dryer, <laughs> but uh, the refrigerator may kick on every now and then. And there's really nothing we can do about the, uh, the panting dog. dog. Will snore or pant. Hopefully, panting I think might be better than snoring. I would think snoring would send a subliminal message that uh, this is boring and you shouldn't listen to it. If it's panting, it's you know maybe it's hot farm talk. I don't know. I don't uh, he snores underneath my desk <laughs> all day. I know. He just sleeps underneath my desk while I'm at work. Yeah. On his crate, and he's like, snore, snore, snore. So. so, I can't remember. There's this tradition, I think it's in Iceland, that on Christmas Eve, everyone gets a book to read. And they sort of go off in their own place and read a book for the rest of the evening, waiting for Santa Claus to show up. Oh, seriously? That's the coolest tradition ever. <laughs> right. Well, I think I read about it too late, so I think we're going to do it next year. But that doesn't mean that... In our family, everybody gets. We always do books for Christmas. It's sort of yes. like, it's sort of a not a question, right? Uh, it, it's kind of funny that I see these the, the Goodreads. I, I keep track of my books on Goodreads sometimes, mm-hmm. and they have this set your reading goal for 2016. I'm like, why do I need a reading goal? I read all the time, but I realize that reading goals are for people who don't read. Yeah, and they have to make themselves try to read something right every once in a while. I said uh, the last time I was on Goodreads, it, it gave me that option. I was like, all right, I'll set one, just you know, because I'm curious to see if it keeps track. And I mean, I, I I I go in bursts. Like I'll read, 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 and then I'll remember. Oh, I haven't updated my Goodreads. Yeah. So I'll like update, 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 update. Yes. Right. So that's how that's how I do my Goodreads. So I I did set a, a goal for 52 books, which. One a week, um, yeah, which is crazy for you. Uh, it's pretty. It's more slow. like you could do three hundred sixty-five. <laughs> I don't know if I could do three sixty-five. I could probably do two hundred. Well, I saw something else on Facebook. There were different levels of setting reading goals for the year, and it was like read one book in a day, read one classic you should have read in high school, mm. read one uh, genre you've never done before. So that to me would be more interesting because I would be stretching myself out because I have a tendency to stick with one genre. Yeah, I do. I do too. I'm I'm very nonfiction based. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. You're Christmas list wish list. So <laughs> so of all the books, what was what do you think was your favorite because they were so like all topics I would never <laughs> like, ooh, yeah. I think Cam wants this book. Like seriously, you're with you're. It was like okay. So what? So of of all the ones you've, I think you've read them all, haven't you? Um, I've read most of them. So which one was of all the crazy weirdness? What what was when was your favorite? Well, actually, I guess I need to describe. Like, I think I've said it. You know, like there were a lot of like anti-communist books from the 1950s and the 1940s, um, and then there was some really obscure like Virginia history, and then what was the one that you're thinking of? 
Oh, and then there was the the John Los John Dos Passos. That guy who's yeah, a biography. He's seriously one of the most fascinating men on earth. Oh yeah. If, if there was a poster, he'd be on it. Like the the dude who's the most fat. This guy's got to be as most as like right up there. I mean, like yeah. so that's the thing. So okay, so uh, like I said, if there's a theme, and these are books that I've when I'm reading a book and I run across a book, a, a book, I'm you, like, oh okay. So I'm gonna I read go, that I, book. I go online. I go to a books. I put it in my wish list You're so like I can keep track of it. Tangential tree reader. Yeah, like basically. The, the more books you read, the more books you want to read, and it starts to right. just grow into this. But huge... then you develop a knowledge base, and you develop a pretty wide knowledge base, and you're reading. Yeah, because you're 30 to 50s American communist history right now, right? 30 to 50s history, I okay. think, is, yeah. Okay. Um, right now, anyway. But yeah, a lot of it's like the communists. A lot of it are the people who were communists who left communism. I'm fascinated yeah. by that. I'm fascinated by, and there was a whole genre. I mean, there really was, you know, a lot of, uh, there really were a lot of books published by people who were, uh, you know, and they were writers before, or they were spies and they wrote their memoirs. And they were a lot like that TV show that we love to watch. The Americans. The Americans. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, listening to you tell me stories about these people, like, ooh, that sounds like a plot. Yeah, so, but, so John Dos Passos was a really interesting guy. And he's one of those guys, I never really learned about John Dos Passos. He was a big writer in the 1920s, contemporaneous with Hemingway and uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I never read any of his stuff, and I'm older than you. And so I'm his, an English his major. So his big books. So he was he was really like critically popular, not necessarily commercially popular. But oh, okay. He was critically popular on the left, um, and he wrote a, a trilogy. It's called the USA Trilogy, and it was basically this panoramic look at America from um, right before World War One. Uh, on through, I think, like the end of the 1920s. Okay. Um, so history? History. But no, it was fiction. But oh, there was, okay. It was fiction, but he also had like these literary devices. Because this, again, this was very, you know, intellectual, very avant-garde uh, literature. So he had these literary devices. One was called The Camera Eye which was written largely from an autobiographical perspective. And the other was called newsreels where he like biographical sketches of real people. And that part was almost was, was, was history almost. Okay. Um, anyway, critically acclaimed didn't sell very much. He ended up going to Spain uh, for the Spanish civil war, which, uh, you know, the more I read, the more I learned that the Spanish civil war was really, really important to the left um, there were a lot of them over there. Like, yeah. wasn't F. Scott Fitzgerald? Doesn't didn't Hemingway? Hemingway was there. there. Dos Passos was there. Orwell was there. Orwell, yeah. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, I don't think was. No, there. No, I don't think he was there. But <laughs> you know, you and, and so you had everybody from the communists to the socialists to liberals uh, who who went to Spain to fight against fascism, and basically the communists, the, the directed by the Soviet Union, uh, ended up taking over the anti-fascist forces. They did what the Soviet Union did in the 1930s, and they killed a lot of people on their side uh, for ideological you know, differences. Yeah. And a lot of the people who were there, a lot of the literary uh, 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 types like John Dos Passos, um, that's when they split with the Soviet Union and when they split with communism. Like, that was just it. Uh, Dos Passos okay, so had for, sort of been drifting away for a couple of years beforehand, but when he was there in Spain, 
his one of his friends was murdered by the communists. And he had known this guy for 15 years. The guy had taught at Johns Hopkins in Maryland. And uh, in Hemingway ended up telling Dos Passos that uh, your friend is dead and you need to get over it. It was very, very cold and callous. Oh, that's rude. Uh, yeah. It was rather short, dude. I right. Mean, short, terse, rather. Yeah. Point. So this one might be my favorite book since I've been rambling on about it for a couple of minutes. I think I should think so. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another one, too, that I really, really like. You rambled on for so long and I forgot my second question. I'm sorry. That's all right. My the the other book was the one that I just finished. Oh, uh, for the layman of us who yes. are listening here, going <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. Communism, fascism, and socialism. Isn't fascism a sort of socialism, but it's sort of a state based, or is that? Yeah. So there's honestly there's not much difference. I okay. mean, honestly, what you're talking about is totalitarianism. You're it's talking all, about everybody's or, working for the common good. All there's no everybody's supposed to be the same class, right? Yeah. Fasc- fascism, you know, is, is supposedly uh, state owned control of the industry, but it's not that. And communism is worker controlled, right? Okay. Uh, worker control of the state okay. and worker control of the machinery. Okay. But inevitably, in practice, what ends up happening is an oligarchy. You've got a very, or a kleptocracy. You've got a very few number of criminals who are basically running the state. And it's to their uh, amusement and it's to their benefit and really nobody else's. Yeah. Um, and that's just what sort of happens in a in a totalitarian when there's nothing outside of the state then the state gets exploited and the people who are a part of the state get exploited. Um, so, but that was the thing, like in the 1930s, people didn't necessarily see the difference yet. And, you know, there were a lot of people who thought there were, first of all, because of the great depression, there were a lot of people who thought that capitalism was just dead and that, you know, Roosevelt and uh, Chamberlain in England like and, and yeah, France, right? Like, you know, they, they were they were just, you know, hiding the decline. They were managing the slow decline because capitalism was was done and gone. So the mm-hmm. choices were fascism or communism ah. that was, you know. And so if you were an anti-fascist and you were a committed anti-fascist, there were a lot of people who idealistically said, all right, well, communism is new. It's uh, it, 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 it's In supposedly, paper, it you know, it's freedom and democracy. Right. They're using all the right buzzwords. Um, and one of the guys. So, so the other book that I mentioned or didn't get around to mention the name, but it was called The God That Failed. And it's six studies in communism. And it's mm. six, six of these individuals who were communist or were fellow travelers. They they never formally signed up, but they believed in the Soviet Union. And then they didn't. And then they didn't. And it's about <laughs> why they didn't. And each one of them has a different reason, <clears throat> you know, why they didn't. But a lot of them went to the Soviet Union uh, and in the 1930s. Uh, and in the late 1920s and saw the fear in people's eyes. And, then, you know, in the early 1920s, like a few years after the revolution, when Lenin was still alive, it was very, very hopeful. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was this this sense of experimentation. Uh, there, there really wasn't a crackdown on freedom of expression. And then there was. And all of a sudden, you know, people were afraid because their friends disappeared and their family disappeared and you weren't allowed to ask what happened to them. Yeah, we had a lot of family members who died of colds. Of colds. Yeah, and we saw pictures because Ukrainians take pictures at funerals and you get pictures of the person in the crypt or coffin or whatever because it's always almost open. Yeah. And yeah, lots of dead people who died of colds. Wow. And they were not old people. uh, No, 
No. Well, no. And, and, and so, you know, it, I don't know what is so fascinating to me about this, uh, except that it, it seems to me like one of the common threads of these people who've left is they were they all talked about how they were individualists. Uh, and they thought that the Soviet Union was going to be this place where there was artistic freedom and freedom of expression and there was, you know, common ownership of goods and, and yeah. things like that. Because in theory, that's what it was supposed to be, right. but that's not how it happened. So, you know, when you see these guys in this book, uh, uh, The God That Failed, is it's, it's all guys, but there were uh, women who, who wrote books about leaving communism, too. Um, to, you know, to see... That it was that 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 desire for individual freedom and liberty, and that's just, that's that's my big desire. You know, like that's that's one of the things that I think is worth fighting for. Uh, I, I think there's common ground between you know the conservatives or the conservatarians today and these people in the 1950s, and yet most people don't even know about these people in the 1950s. Yeah, I have no idea who you're talking about most of the time. Right? And I think that, I mean, like, learning, but. And, and honestly, I think that if people were to read these books, and sadly a lot of them are out of print, but if, if, if people today were to read these books, I think they would find these stories and these men and women as interesting and as relevant as the Founding Fathers were. Because, you know, these were people who were working against totalitarianism and they were working for individual freedom in the modern world, in a world that we recognize, a world with telephones and airplanes, yeah. and, you know. Um, so I, I guess that's why I find it so fascinating. But, uh, yeah, those were a couple of the books. I could go on and on about more of them because they were all really, really good. Yes. Yeah. And, you <laughs> and I have. Was that a uh, say goodnight, Gracie moment? Take well, a say, take a break, Gracie moment. Yeah, take a breath. <laughs> you're, one of, you're doing one of your history things again. It's so rare for you to ask me a question about these books. Usually, I just impart this this kind of stuff on you without the uh, without the question. No, I know, so. and, I, and I listen and I take it, but it's you know, I was also asking <laughs> I and I take for it. The, well, I learn. <laughs> I listen and I learn. I'll put it that way. Uh, I think that was the first uh, snort laugh on uh, Forty Acres in a so Fool. I'm I have keep to say, that. you, uh, I got uh, what was really excited is, is I got the third novel of the Miss Peregrines. Uh, she has the the series was the Miss oh, Peregrines the... Home for Peculiar Children, uh-huh. and the, I, I think the whole thing was based upon these randomly weird photographs that this dude came around and he sort of just based this story of these sort of like kids who are sort of living on a different level of existence or they live in this time but they've been able to live in these little time loops that have kept them safe and so these these people are living on September 4th 1940 right before a bomb hits the house but it's this so it's it's just crazy it's time travel and so is this like young adult fictiony or is this like grown-up fictiony or is it is it that well, sort of in between it's not where it could YA. be both i don't think it's it's not been pushed as young adult young okay. adult it's but it's by ransom riggs it's a so i've had all the three books i got one at a time but since i got the third for christmas it was nice because i was able to binge read the three in a row and i it was it had a happy ending i was really really surprised so did it it's just a trilogy well there's opportunity for it to do something but you feel like it's over okay but it's a good finish but 
they it could go like it's a happy ending. They found a place to stay for now. You'd be fine if it You'd ended. You'd be fine if here. it ended at this moment. But if so it they didn't, could continue. It could continue. Okay. It'd be interesting. Huh. Um, everyone to... who says who's read the series and the reviews that I saw all think that this is the last. Oh, but that's okay. not that's not my immediate feeling. Like my immediate feeling was like, oh, oh, cool. This is a good place for them to have been ended up at. Well, I did just finish the uh, the God that failed, so maybe I should pick up uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar <laughs> you Children. You never read. No, I, I should take it. You know, but fiction. that's the thing. You, you should read I, fiction. Occasionally, I do, well, I, but if, I should I should be more balanced. I should but probably. But if you're going to read like crazy, like the history stuff, then you should read as you wish, which is Carrie oh, Elwes's the Princess Bride book. Princess Bride book because his his stories about that. It's right. you'll you'll finish it in like a day. Okay, I'll, I'll and it's be a my fun, quick read. read. All right, that'll you be my do next that. One. But then right now I'm reading this one. Paul Allen, Idea Man. This is the dude who was one of the co-founders of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. He and Bill started working together when he was 21 and Bill Mike Gates was like nine. That's the brownie thing. I hate to interrupt this um, but uh, we'll segment, have to, but we'll yes. We'll have a break, but I, I'm, this guy's crazy, fascinatingly brilliant. It's amazing. All right, we will uh, be right back. Brownies are coming out of the oven. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up next. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. All right, so, so just for, so we're clear now, too, the, the apps of the week now sometimes cost 30 bucks a month. No, the app is free. The service that the app provides has a cost. Are you a politician? What did you mean? Are you Paul Ryan? The, the app I'm telling you, the app is fun. Who are you, Lindsey Graham? Sur- Who are you, Fancy Hands? Hey, what does the app do then aside from... Hands? The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. It's 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network where the brownies are cooling. And so we're continuing on with our conversation. Yes. And by the time we finish, it'll be uh, ready to, right? The brownies will be ready to eat. It depends on pound how long you talk about this topic like you did about <laughs> your books. Suppose if you talk about this like you talk about your books. Yeah, they'll be cool enough to cut. <laughs> I'm gonna pause this for a second. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm sorry. No, that's great. No, it's fine. I'm, we're gonna continue this. I just. I want to pause this for a second. I just want to have a, a a private word with my wife for just one moment. And we're back. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> so. Um, so I wanted to ask you because I'm out here in the middle of nowhere and I get my news like via Facebook, which is you know not to be trusted. Uh, so what's going on with the gun stuff? I am your most trusted newsman, right? Oh, you're my only <laughs> well, newsman, and you're my most trusted because you know it's really funny. It's like I had people on the other side who used to say, "Well, he only feeds you the information that he wants you to know." I'm like, actually, he tells me the truth about everything on both sides of the issues. So, I, it's I, nothing that I've ever had to worry about as far as you not telling me what's going on. I think if people listen to NRA News Cam and Company, they know that, you know, oftentimes I will play devil's advocate. I when we have a pro gun person on, uh, I'll say, "All right, well, the gun control advocate would say this." And I don't construct a straw man argument. I actually present the argument that would be but presented by a gun yeah. control advocate, you know, which is 
kids are bad and they they hurt people no they're i i give you know the real argument that they would present but you know look there was a time when you were uh probably not as conservative or as conservatarian as you are now oh no i used to be a democrat and you would ask me like who you should vote for right yeah because i needed help because i couldn't figure out politicians because in my brain they're all just a bunch of flim flam artists and i would tell you find the one that was right fit for me the candidate was was closest to your views yeah it it wasn't necessarily that we'd even vote for the same person either you never had me push towards your party or not you told me well based upon what you like or what you think this guy would be the best one for you and you were always right so so you're always right about my news too <laughs> i trust you to make your own decisions i trust people to make their own decisions no but i know but as far um, as information and yes. facts so it that's was, what so i get from you so what's interesting was that um i was at the uh little ffl gas station uh best barbecue around place <laughs> i know what an odd combination and, and you can now get purina animal feed oh awesome for horses and other ant livestock apparently but go ahead for it go ahead so i was so i was talking with the uh, one of the owners uh the ffl and and i noticed you know he asked me you know about uh, obama's executive actions and what i thought and, and he told me what he thought which was that he didn't think it was a lot of political posturing is what he thought it was yeah. but uh i noticed he had a sign-up sheet for a concealed carry course uh that's coming up i think this weekend it might be next weekend but anyway they were on a second page. The first class had actually filled up and they were almost full up on the second class. And, you know, he said, it's, this is the busiest that they've been. They do these classes periodically, but this is the first time that they've, you know, been sold out of one class and had to double up. And he's talking about bringing in uh, somebody else and doing, I think a a Utah uh, out of state permit class um, because of the the reciprocity stuff that's going on. So, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I, and I realize that, you know, the, uh, the land around Farmville, Virginia is not indicative of, of America uh, as a whole. But I, I do think that, you know, in terms of the geographic <laughs> land area, I think the attitudes around Farmville actually are pretty indicative of America as a whole. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a lot of positions that you're going to find in midtown Manhattan, maybe, or no. uh, uh, in Washington. Actually, I can't really say that because, you know, I think Washington, D.C. is actually becoming more pro-gun. The people are, um, you know, but it's, it's not a, a, a San Francisco attitude. Yeah, and but, there's a lot of people who do a lot of hunting around here. I'm actually, like you said, it's more surprising that there are that many people that are actually signing up for a class because I would have thought they would have already had that been the thing, you know, that right. was already done and done. But so, wow. You, like around here, you would have yeah. thought that gun ownership and concealed carry would have sort of reached its Hand saturation it. point. Yeah. Like those who wanted their concealed carry license, those who, who wanted to own a gun already did so. Right. Right. I guess not. Yeah. So the fact that, that the interest is so high, I think is. Uh, have you seen that one meme all over the place? Obama is one of the best gun salesmen ever. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, it's and it's, it's, it's sad because sometimes the media, I, th- I don't think they're doing it quite as much as they did, but the media used to put out this idea that the NRA caused this. Oh, I know. Right, like President Obama would propose gun control, the NRA would say, "Oh, it's coming for your guns," and then everybody would go buy guns. <laughs> and what happens is Americans don't need to be told. 
when the president says, hey, I'm going to make gun control a priority. Americans don't need to be told by the NRA or anybody else, oh. you know, hey, uh, go buy a gun. No, everyone has access to the information at a moment's notice anymore. It's not like you have to wait for information to come to you. And what's happening, you know, what we've seen over the past three years or so is that um, there's been this, I think, pretty steady move away from the the anti-gun positions uh and then it sort of spiked when there's been big events like the attack in san bernardino or Mm -hmm. president obama saying all right i'm gonna make gun control a priority um but you know I, i keep reading these news stories about like the gun sales and a lot of the people that are quoted who are first time gun owners you know, they're not they're not like wild eyed crazy saying, you know, they're running in there and like, I want a gun. Give me a gun now. I got to get a gun. I'm afraid. Well, no. Right. They're the, you know, they're saying like I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, it was San Bernardino that made me decide I really want to be able to protect myself. Yeah. Um, and they're again, they're not just buying a gun and then putting it on a shelf somewhere They They want to know where they can get their concealed carry license. Do you offer training here? Where's the nearest range? You know, they, they, they want this. They're thinking about this. They want to um, learn how to be responsible. Exactly. But, you know, there are, I think there are a lot of those those myths that, um, uh, you know, anti-gun folks push out. And and we saw the president say this uh, in his speech this week. I mean, he, he really sort of put forth this idea that if you are a gun owner, uh, then you don't care about kids being killed <laughs> says right? the democratic party that supports the planned parenthood you know but it just it it amazes me that this is also the same guy who said uh he couldn't figure out and what a shame it was that uh that this debate had gotten so partisan he right? created this well it's certainly not helping you know i, I mean look i always talk about on the show the single mom. I mean, you're sort of the person that I think about when I when I talk about gun control groups. I know you're not a single mom now. No, but, but, but I but was when we met, met, I was a single mom and I lived in a housing project and I was living in a state where I wasn't allowed to own a gun. It would have been really. It would have been. I, I don't want to say. Tough. Even though my door was shot at by the crazy people who were dealing with my neighbor. Right. I mean, you were allowed, but you would have had to go through. All of the paper. No, I don't think so, because I don't know if you can have a gun if you live in Section 8 housing in New Jersey. Mm, I don't. I I don't know. I would imagine that would probably depend on the individual uh, lease. And there probably there very well could have been a provision that you were not allowed to have a a firearm in the home. If we had known each other and if I had known more about this issue, maybe we could have pursued uh, a legal remedy there but at the time we didn't at the time though you were a single mom and even, even, even if you had your own place I had a baseball bat at my door you would have had to go get your pistol purchase permit you would have had to uh, uh, you know make multiple trips down to the police department and while I, you were putting yourself through school and I would have had or to just while get you were random working. permission from the sheriff or the person in charge of the county which is sort of silly and random my and, dad yeah, had and you would have been and you would have been denied or could have been denied for any reason what or no reason at all yeah um and you would have been out the fees that you had you know uh, paid for mm-hmm. uh that would be if you wanted to get a concealed carry license um but you know again just the just the rigmarole just the process 
stops a lot of people, you know, like you didn't have a car some of the time that you were living there. No. So to have to take time off of work or, or skip a class, take the bus down to the police department fill out the paperwork, wait and do whatever else, then wait for the bus to go back and then pick up your kids. Like, you know, like if you're a working single mom, each and every one of those steps is a barrier that stops you from at some point, even thinking about the idea of having a gun for self-defense because I, I can go through that. I can't get one anyway. Right. Yeah. So you don't even think about it. the, the, The idea that we were brought up with, well, you can't have one anyway. And so, you know, you're there in Camden, uh, and you were there in Camden, by the way, when Camden, I think for a couple of years, was the murder capital of the United States. Yes, it was, and every Mischief Night, and for anybody from New Jersey, you know what Mischief Night is. Mischief Night is not a thing from anywhere else. I think it's like that part of the Northeast Coast, but it's the night before Halloween, and it's usually just when you go out and egg people's houses or toilet paper their houses or soak We had their it in North windows. Jersey when I lived there okay, for a year or two as a it's kid. It's New and, Jersey. Like, we have right. Mischief Night. Well, in Mischief Night in Camden, it's a whole different special oh, thing. Oh, I would imagine. Because Mischief Night in Camden is random arson. And one year, random arson hit the dumpsters outside of our trash cans outside of my apartment. But thankfully, we were just a block away from the fire department, so they were able to come down and quick put it out, and they weren't distracted by anything else. But yeah, Camden was a crazy place to live. (laughs) There was one night I heard gunfire outside of my bedroom, and my apartment was on the end. It was closest to the street side. Uh And... I heard it was like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And the next morning, my one neighbor comes banging on my door because her car is parked at, outside my bedroom window. And she's she's like yelling at me. Did you hear gunfire last night? I'm like, yeah, I heard gunfire. She says, well, did you see who it was? And I'm like, you think I'm going to stick my white face out the window to look outside in the dark to see who's shooting in my general direction? Do you think I'm an idiot? And she just looked at me. I said... No, I did not see who it was. But apparently, there were two people shooting at one another, and one person had taken shelter behind the dumpster, and the other person had taken shelter behind her car. Oh, so wow. her one car had bullet holes all down the side of it. And this is like 10 feet out of my bedroom window. Well, you also had some dude shoot at your door. Oh, turtle. My neighbor's boyfriend. Oh, my goodness gracious. He was the most unstable idiot on the face of this planet. And she broke off the relationship and he came over and found her entertaining her new fellow and came back with a gun and started shooting at our doors, literally. Like, our doors, the doors were, were right next to one yeah, another. Yeah, they were, right. like, right, like, six inches apart, like, right next to one another. They opened up. Uh, yeah, so I'm lying on the floor of my house calling 911, but as Flava Flav says, you know, 911's a joke in yo town. Like, they didn't want to hear about guns and domestic violence. They didn't show up for, like, two hours. By then, he was gone. There were holes. He had broken her glass dining room table. It was a mess. What did you do with the kids? Um, You know what? I think it was late at night that their bedroom was in the back far corner. Yeah. I don't think they actually heard any of this. Uh, it's just amazing to me. And this was, I mean, this was your everyday life. Well, Turtle didn't show up every day, and thank goodness, because he was just a lost cause. And a lot of times, a lot of us in the neighborhood stuck together and watched each other's kids and stuff. It wasn't something I would want to repeat or have any of my children go over again. But, but you know, I mean, I know that I've talked about this, I think, on the, I know I've talked about this on the great, on Inner News Camera Company, and I, I've, I've written about this, but there was that night when 
you and I hadn't even met yet. We had, no. but we were, you know, in that talking on the phone for hours at a time stage, right? And yes. then worrying about the phone bill when it came in stage. Yeah, because it was long uh, distance, right? East Coast to mid United States. Back that in the day. Crazy. Back in the day when we had to <laughs> dial up each other on a landline, right? Kitties, and you had to pay for long distance. Uh, and and so we were talking, and and I heard gunshots in the background, and I said, "Are you you know you okay?" And you didn't say anything, and I freaked out, and like all night I was worried, and I was I, I ended up hanging up, and that was a bad idea because then I just kept getting a busy signal, and all night long yeah, I, I was calling. I had calling. like twenty one missed calls or voicemails on my phone the next morning, and all I did was I fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. So it was late, but you said like, you didn't even notice. You were like, "What are you talking about?" I didn't even hear it. Like that was just background noise to you at well, that point. Well, yeah, because you hear you, you filter out things. This is why I can work at home surrounded by children, and you can't <laughs> because because I can you filter lived in out Camden anything. You know, so that's the thing. So New Jersey has these really restrictive gun control laws, and and they stop people like you. Yeah. But they didn't stop people like Turtle. No, because he didn't go prop. Like, he, he, he didn't go through the proper channels. Like <laughs> criminals are going to go through the registration and the purchasing of it legally. They're going to break into somebody's house or car or something. They're going to steal it or get it under the table or they're going to get it from. Well, we were having this conversation about how if they did, if the United States government did pull in Australia and managed to confiscate everybody in the United States who is a law-abiding citizen, if we all went ahead and voluntarily gave up our guns to the United States government, like, you know, the good citizens and sheep that we would be, mm-hmm. um, that it wouldn't matter because then the market would be flooded by inexpensive drugs from, not drugs, inexpensive guns from other countries that aren't made with any manufacturing identifying information on them and all the bad guys would end up with guns anyway and all of a sudden the only people who have guns are the millet or our government and the bad guys I, I i think that you know practically speaking like if that ever happened and all of a sudden all of the legally owned guns went away uh and so there was there were there was no you know black market supply of firearms for criminals to get you just look at what do we have right now in this country? We've got the Mexican drug cartels and you can look at how they adapt to changing markets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be they sold pot. Okay. Well now pot's being legalized in a lot of places. Pot is not as much of their business. They're actually burning marijuana fields uh, in Mexico and they're planting poppies so that they can make heroin, heroin. Right. They've taken over. They've taken over a majority of the meth trade in the United States because there's a demand. And if there is a demand for firearms that could be met by the Mexican drug cartels, heck, yeah, they're going to work with black market suppliers in Mexico uh, or in Central America, uh, South America. Or if you want to import from China, you know, China makes firearms without any markets or traces whatsoever. So it'd be really easy for the cartels to uh, to work. And I'm sure. Listen, I don't think the Chinese would ever want to flood America with black market farms. It couldn't be traced back to them. Why would <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, you know, like from a practical aspect, the idea that we are going to be able to uh, eradicate violent crime 
by treating gun ownership as a or by treating guns as a supply side problem as opposed to a, you want to re, you want to reduce demand. Yeah, it's a demand side. Problem. You know, living in, in in and you living in Camden, like if you could have reduced the demand for a turtle to uh, to want that gun or for the turtles out there uh, to to you know want to settle their differences uh, you know with a gun. Um, well, that would have all the difference in the world if you could actually take somebody like I don't know what Turtles Criminal Record was, but the you know violent criminals who were arrested time and time again and kept popping back out on the street. If you could actually put them away, sentence them to the maximum allowed by law, so you don't get a ninth chance. Sorry, yeah. this time you're you're going away and we're making it stick. Uh, if other you know criminals are aware that that's happening, if the small core of people who are responsible for a disproportionate amount of violent crime um, understand that if they don't change, if they don't stop shooting uh, at people's doors, or if they don't start, uh, you know, exchange, stop exchanging gunfire between dumpsters and, and cars in an apartment complex, then they're going to go to prison, and so are all of their friends. Yeah. Um, it just seems to me like that's a much more practical thing to do, as well as, you know, I'm so I'm curious about this. Prison, though. To be honest, yeah, prison should be a way more unpleasant place to be. Okay. Because for some of these people, prison is actually nicer than where they're living. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Um, it shouldn't be a country club where they get cable and exercise and three square that are really yummy food that where they actually can get to sue for. Have you seen this kind of crap? I mean, prisoners are actually suing the prisons because the food, there's not yes. a choice. I mean, yes. honestly, bread and water. <laughs> you're holes screwed. in the floor. Holes in the floor. Well, we do have the cruel and unusual punishment, eighth, you know, amendment. I think the Turkish prison model is a good one. That would be cruel and unusual in the. Mm, I, I no, think. I think if it was cruel, they wouldn't get any food or any place <sighs> to go to the bathroom. Well, that would be that would be truly awful. Like I, I don't, I don't it think should be awful. I, I don't think that. Uh, you shouldn't want to go to prison. I don't, I don't, I don't. No, you're right. You shouldn't want to go to prison. But I think that once you're there, you know. Look, I, I think in order to try to figure out, I want to see what works. I don't want to get my jollies off if I say, you know, we're going to we're going to have some retribution here. We were this is the criminal justice system. So you're seeking justice. Uh, I think you got to look and see what works to prevent recidivism. I mean, that's ultimately your goal. You you want somebody to get out of prison and you want them to not ever go back because they committed another crime. Right. Yes. I mean, I don't care if they get lobster, but I don't think feeding them lobster is going to make the recidivism rate go down. Huh. I don't think the freedom bread and water is going to make it go down either. I think giving them an education. I think I think education, turning and opportunities and character building. I mean, I you know, I don't know. We don't talk about character much anymore, it seems. But uh, and, and when you get out of prison, I, this is, I think, something that's really important, too. There has to be an opportunity. You have to be able to find a job somehow if you're looking, you know. You, yeah, but they also have to not. It's like it's like college. You can't come out of prison expecting to be like. I, no, I understand that, too. Even but if they have to be given opportunities, whereas there are a lot of businesses who are like, no, you were in prison, we can't hire you. There's, a, cool. there's a program in New York, and I know we got to take a time out. But, oh, uh, the husband and wife team? We've read about this. Yeah, and they, they and, awesome. and they work with inmates as they're coming out. Yeah. And they, they start out, a lot of them are starting out, like, sweeping floors and shoveling snow in the winter. But, and, but then they, they, they earn a wage 
And a lot of them have gone on to actually start their own companies. They've become exterminators. Yeah. They've become plumbers. Because they're know, learning like, a trade and they're learning how to do something and they're being they they're slowly earning their way back into society. And that's a I I love that. I can't remember what the name of the place. Not I'm not, I'm not going to give a false name, but we both read about it somewhere. Yeah. I remember. And and I, I mean I think there really is something to that. You know, when you've supposedly paid your debt to society, and you're not, and you've walked out of the prison doors. Um, I, I, at the same time, I don't necessarily agree with these things that say you can't ask if someone's been in prison. I think that you have the right as an employer well, it's, to it's ask on the these employee. things. I mean, it's on your but they're, they're starting to say you're not able to ask that question. And I don't agree with that either. But I, I don't think that uh, I, I think that, you know, these these individuals have to be able to to have the opportunity to prove themselves at some point. Yeah. All right. You. Let's take a, a timeout. I know that uh, this is a really long segment and, and this time it wasn't about my favorite book. <laughs> so stick around. We've got even more 40 acres and a four from the blaze radio network coming up right after this. 40 acres and a fool with cam Edwards on the blaze radio network. Sexton. He's got a team that works with him specifically on keeping classified information secure, and that's all they do. He didn't set up some homebrew server. The guy just has an email account. Probably says, hey, Bob, I'll see you today for lunch. But the way this is reported, we're to think that, you know, this is just a commonplace thing now. So everybody does it. So you know what? Let's not hold Hillary accountable for this. She's not going to be. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E. All right, the yawns have begun and the brownies are cool enough to eat. So uh, this is probably (laughs) going to be a fairly short segment. But I did want to get to an email from John. Our email, of course, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can send us questions comments complaints whatever and then uh, the instagrams uh, cam edwards and corny goat farm uh, are the uh, instagram so uh, so john one of our neighbors along with uh, felicity said uh, hey neighbor happy new year since you asked my resolution is to produce at least one bale of hay off the farm not too difficult really says john simply cut rake bale and store the hay before that, I need to clear off the uh, equipment, destroying junk on a couple of acres of fescue over at uh, uh, Alvin's old place. And I'll need to get the baler and the rake and the mower running again. It was sort of working 18 years ago when we brought it down here from our old place. And might be a good idea to put up a replacement cover over the uh, shelter logic frame so I have a place to store it. That but before. Bail. All this for a bale. All of this uh, for a bale, oh. yeah. He says, but before all that, I need to finish cross-fencing the 11-acre pasture into three paddocks. And he says, that really is the most important farm project. This should be my resolution. I wish me luck. <laughs> Good luck, John. John. Yeah, I guess you can have more than one, John. But uh, you're right. It's 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 funny how that, that starts. Like, we're, okay, well, I want to do this. And it's like all of a sudden now it's a, a Rube Goldberg machine. Uh, and all of these intricate steps that need to happen, you would think it would just be... I just need to plant the seed, let it grow, cut it, bale it, and there, there you go. And then no, nope, all was, kinds of kinda different like things. Kind of like when we thought with the front pasture that we let our neighbor do. 
because we've got right. our neighbor who runs his cattle up in one of our pastures. But the opposite one was just sort of like this empty field that we kept having to hire somebody to bush hog or mm. brush hog, whichever the term may be. And the one year I talked to him, I was like, do you think you could do anything with this if you want to grow or use it for something? And it wasn't just that easy. It was like a couple of turns of going back and forth with a steel disc plow and another kind of thing and a breaky uppy thing and a make it smaller, <laughs> even more thing. And then it was, you know, get the, yeah. So it was a lot of work to prepare the surface. And they actually, one time they were there, all a bunch of people pulling giant rocks up out of it. Mm-hmm. So now it's a nice smooth area they they did spring oaks and i got like i want to say 16 to 20 big round bales yeah yeah there's six at the top of the i'm just gonna ignore them if they ever chub take them i'm like i think those are mine <laughs> i think i get last cuts I try, we can try to roll them down the hill i feel they go out of control and all of a sudden uh you know They'd be crash into the house the or the pigs no, or the, you know i know i just need to call and say hey they <laughs> could you go ahead and put one of those down near my barn please i'll take one of those please thank you oh we have uh, we have plenty of new year's resolutions of our own john but uh, we do. I, I wish you the best with all of it and uh let me know if we can be of any help or service with uh fencing off the the 11 acres. I didn't know anything about fencing other than moving Electronet. So That's where we get to we learn. We cheer. Yay, good fencing. Maybe, you know, <clears throat> unskilled labor I, and learn. I suppose. Right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No. there's not. That's how I learned how to butcher. Exactly. Unskilled labor. And, you know, we keep doing that sort of stuff, keep <clears throat> learning, then eventually this, this won't be 40 acres in a fool anymore. It'll be... 40 acres in a semi-competent person. So. <laughs> well, there's only one semi-competent person. <laughs> there is. There is. The guest each week here on uh, 40 Acres and a Fool, the uh, wonderful Miss E. All right. There are warm brownies, and uh, I want to eat one. So we're going to wrap up here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Thank you so much for being a part of this week's program. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll talk to you soon here on 40 Acres and a Fool. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.